Welcome to the Kidiatrics Podcast. I'm Dr. Remy. I've been a board-certified pediatrician for the past 15 years, and every day I feel incredibly lucky to have one of the best jobs in the world, caring for kids and keeping them healthy. I am so excited to be able to share my knowledge with you, and every month I will be joined by experts in the field of pediatrics. They will share their insights and provide evidence-based information that will help you make informed health decisions for your child. Whether you are a seasoned parent or welcoming your first newborn, this podcast is for you. There is so much misinformation out there, and sometimes parents just need a little help navigating facts and fiction. Thanks for joining me today, and let's have a heartfelt discussion on childcare. A special welcome again to our podcast listeners and a very special welcome to our own homegrown ADHD guru today, Dr. Annalise Richards. Dr. Richards and I were actually interns together all the way back in 2001. And although it may reveal our ages a bit, it does speak <laughs> to the wealth of experience that Dr. Richards has. So Dr. Richards, welcome to our podcast. Um, can you tell our audience just a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Um, and I'm in great company, right? <laughs> and I, I, I will say that, yes, definitely, you know, we kind of share information, we share um, training, but I think that um, for me, my passion is pediatric psychiatry. So I am a child and adolescent psychiatrist, um, board certified, did um, training first in psychiatry, then completed my um, subspecialty training in child and adolescent psychiatry, um, and then uh, did some work at a uh, freestanding pediatric psychiatric hospital in the U.S. prior to returning home. And so pediatric psychiatry is my passion. We're talking about something today that is one of the bread and butter topics of pediatric psychiatry. So I'm excited. And so am I. And on that note, we're going to just jump right into ADHD. ADHD yes. really wasn't a thing at least from what I can remember when we were growing up, right? I remember having yeah. pears and hearing my parents and aunts and uncles describe kids who were active as hyper or, yeah. you know, and the approach to kids like that was just, you know, to give them two spanks or to fairs discipline, <laughs> very, very firm discipline. Yes. And I think the thinking yeah. was that we, you know, just would let kids be kids and they would eventually grow out of it. And I think that's a sentiment that a lot of people in the Caribbean have, that that's just how these kids are. They're active. They need some firm parenting. And these are kind of typical behaviors for them, but they're not. And so my first question to you is, does ADHD, how does ADHD actually differ from typical childhood behaviors? And what are some of the key signs and symptoms of ADHD? Yeah, so you 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 kind of hit the nail right on the head when it comes to just what is ADHD and how does it differentiate from just normal disruptive behaviors that kids experience. And I think that um, what we have to remember is that all children are at times distractible, have problems following instructions, um, you know, might need some redirections. But the difference between that and the diagnosis of ADHD is the fact that these behaviors are usually more extreme, they're more frequent, 
And then the big caveat is that it gets in the way of their functioning. Um, so ADHD, as we know, it is short for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Um, the research shows us that diagnostically it occurs in maybe three to five percent of school age children. And it is one of the most common. And, and some of my colleagues may argue that it is, in fact, the most common um, pediatric psychiatric diagnosis. Um, so it is a condition that makes it especially difficult for children to concentrate, pay attention, sit still. Um, some of the more common symptoms or complaints that walk through the door would be, you know, a child that's too squirmy, very fidgety, a child that forgets a lot of things quite often, a child that talks too much, um, a child that may excessively run and climb or might be extremely impatient, can't wait their turn, really talkative. Um, or, you know, for the younger kiddos, a trouble pay, playing quietly. And so when you think about ADHD, like I said, you got to make sure I put it in the context of what is developmentally appropriate for that child, because at a certain age, you expect a child to not be able to sit still, right? But um, you think about it in terms of the frequency, the intensity, and it getting in the way of the child's ability to function. Right. And I think that's a difficulty. I mean, being able to appreciate what normal development is yes. for each age group. Um, how young can that diagnosis be made? Yes. And so, you know, when we look at kind of um, how young, you know, so again, it's trying, it's kind of keeping in mind what's developmentally appropriate. So when you have a child that may be three or four, the expectation is, is they're not going to be able to sit still for a long period of time. Or um, if you have a child um, that, you know, kind of at that age um, is having problems following directions, you expect that because it's developmentally appropriate. When we look at diagnosing ADHD and you look at the diagnostic criteria as it stands, we talk about the onset of these symptoms before the age of 12, which is different it used to be seven, it's now 12, but that these symptoms are frequent and um, they are persistently present for at least six months or more. And so that is kind of what you use and that helps us to differentiate from something that might be um, developmentally transient, developmentally appropriate, as opposed to something that is more um, chronic like an ADHD diagnosis. And diagnosis itself, I can imagine, is not necessarily easy. Can you explain the process of diagnosing ADHD? Are there any specific assessments or criteria that parents should be aware of? I think you touched on it um, briefly with your last answer. Yeah, so so I, I, I will say that the, the process to a diagnosis usually starts with um, fantastic uh, pediatricians like yourself in the mm -hmm. community, <laughs> because they usually come into your office and and they're saying, you know, they might be having complaints from the teacher or, you know, this kiddo is, is, is not paying attention. They're having problems academically. And so the process starts there and, and where it evolves is into a more comprehensive assessment. What I always say to parents, though, is that the diagnosis of ADHD um, cannot be made just by one teacher's report or that child sitting in my office for one assessment, right? The diagnosis um, usually is a, is a compilation of collateral information, right, from at least two environments, 
by persons that know this kiddo well. And so for most kids, that's usually school and home, but it could actually be um, other caregivers um, that work along with the kid that might be able to give us information. And so it starts with that clinical assessment, right? Um, and then after that clinical assessment, I, I usually say to parents, you know, we usually get to that point of needing some screeners completed. And that's where um, stuff like the, the SNAPs or the Vanderbilt or the child behavior checklist, um, those screeners may come in and we would have different persons that know the child fill those screeners out. And that helps us with our um, clinical assessment. Great. And that's you just mentioned something that was so important that they have to see it in two different environments because you do have yes. the, you know, the five-year-old who is an absolute tyrant at home and then goes right. to school and the typical report from the teacher is that they're perfect students. They're doing their work. They're paying yes. attention. And, and that's what, one thing I think our listeners have to understand is that we need to see it, you know, present, these behaviors present in both environments to be able to, at least more than one environment, to be able to make the diagnosis. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what kind of advice do you have for parents who suspect their child may have ADHD? So I think that, you know, it, it can feel very, very like a lot, you know, especially mm -hmm. if it's the school that's kind of coming and saying, listen, this, this child is not, you know, this child may be disruptive in the class. They're, you know, they're talking over everybody. Um, you know, they're not patient. They're getting frustrated easily. They're not, you know, paying attention, not concentrating. And so for a parent, that can feel like a lot. And I always say that starting with a place that you're comfortable with. So maybe even starting with your pediatrician who has maybe been seeing this kiddo, knows this child, knows the family to say, listen, this is what we're dealing with. What do we do next? And so that doctor is likely to be able to guide you in terms of, okay, this might be the next step. They may start the screening process or they may initiate a referral, right? And um, that referral may be to pediatric psychiatry. It might be to pediatric psychology um, because the next step would then be a proper assessment. Excellent. And Dr. Richards, I'm very sure that there are many misconceptions about ADHD that you frequently encounter in your practice. And one of the more common ones uh, that I see is that it's as a result of bad parenting. You know, you're not strict yes. enough, you're not beating them enough, you're not spanking, let's use that word instead, or you're not yes. firm enough, you know, with your child. Um, can you highlight a few of these myths or fallacies for us and clarify at the same point yes. some of them for parents and our listeners? Yes, yes. And, and, you know, as we kind of put it too into cultural um, context, a lot of those things that you mentioned are quite common, right? Um, and as you mentioned, you know, one of the big ones is that ADHD is caused by watching too much TV or mm. um, eating too much <laughs> sugar. Um, and, and certainly, certainly these things can make ADHD worse, but they are not the root cause of the diagnosis. Right. Another common myth is that um, if my child is not hyperactive, like like parents will say, this child cannot have ADHD. This child can sit still. Exactly. Right. Um, and it's kind of important to clarify that because with ADHD, it's not that the child cannot pay attention. It's that they struggle to direct their attention, right. especially to the things that they are not particularly interested in or rewarding. So. The flip side of ADHD and a lot of a lot of children and teens with ADHD, there's this tendency to hyper focus. 
right? Which is that uh, intense attention to things that they're interested in. Um, and and so parents come in and they, they would say, well, this, he cannot have ADHD because he will sit down and play video games forever and ever. Right. And that's the differentiation. It's not that the child cannot pay attention. It's that they struggle to direct their attention and yeah. it's an inability to attention switch. Right. So it's right? dysregulated um, attention, essentially. Yes, yes. Yes. And then it's the fact that not all kids with ADHD are hyperactive, despite the name. Mm -hmm. um, before it was ADHD, you remember, they we used to talk about ADD, right? Um, and after, I think it was like around 1987, they kind of switched it to ADHD. But there are three types of ADHD. So there is ADHD predominantly inattentive type where um, children or teens may have problems, um, you know, sustaining their attention, focusing, organization. Those kids with ADHD and attentive type are not the hyperactive, impulsive type. There's kids then that predominantly are ADHD hyperactive type or impulsive type. And these are the kids that driven by a motor um, maybe getting into situations because they're so impulsive. And then there's the ADHD combined type. And these kids have just equally amount of, of symptoms where they are they struggle to pay attention as they do symptoms of hyperactivity and impulsivity. And so not all kids with ADHD are hyperactive, despite the name. There can be kids with ADHD that are ADHD where they're predominantly just struggle with inattention, um, poor organization, and that would be the ADHD inattentive type. Excellent. Thank you for that. Um, how yeah. is ADHD treated? I think a lot of people um, hear ADHD treatment and they automatically think about medication, but there are other avenues yes. for treatment as well. Could you run through the non-pharmacological um, interventions for ADHD first? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, I think the first, uh, to answer that question, I will start with why do we treat it, you know, and, and so that's usually sometimes a lot of questions. Parents may come, you know, they come in and they ask, why do we treat ADHD? And, you know, I, I kind of go to the, to the hard um, statistics in terms of the fact that there is about one third of children with ADHD um, who will no longer have ADHD symptoms as an adult. But there is another third who will have significant symptoms throughout their, their lifetime. And the reason why we treat is because a lot of times, especially if there is a significant impact on a child's functioning, either at school or at home or when they're on that soccer field or swim club where they are just not following directions, is because when it's impacting their functioning to a significant degree, they are actually being cheated out of a lot of childhood and adolescent experiences. And that is the primary reason why we treat. And you're absolutely right. I mean, treatment is not just all about medication. Treatment in my, my mind, when I approach it, it's multifaceted because you look at academic engagement, right? And there might be um, uh, behavioral interventions that you can do in that setting. So like, for instance, you know, limiting the child's distraction by having them sit to the front of the class the way that you give them the work that they're to be completed. Maybe you want to chunk it um, the way that they complete their homework assignments, being very mindful when you kind of give them instructions, because I've had 
had had kids with ADHD and the parents are saying he cannot complete anything that I tell him to do. Mm-hmm. The challenge may be that you're giving him too much instru- instructions all at once, mm-hmm. you know, so you might need to kind of monitor the way that you're communicating. So it's the academic in- engagement. It's monitoring a child's peer interactions um, and building their self-concept because you want them to feel empowered. So Enhancing their organizational skills might be as simple as you need to have a journal and in that journal is going to have a to-do list in the front pages of check that I have the books that I need for my homework, check that I have all of the books and that kiddo gets in the habit of checking that before they jump in the car to come home. And so those are some of the behavioral interventions in collaboration with teachers and parents that you utilize um, to help kids, whether whether they're on medication or not. And medication is not indicated for every child with ADHD. And so you would agree that the best intervention would probably be a combination of everything, behavioral and medication and engaging all the um, necessary uh, caregivers and stakeholders really in this child's life. Absolutely, absolutely. And for some kids, especially the younger kiddos, that is usually where we start because we don't really start with medication Mm -hmm. um, unless the symptoms are extremely severe and extremely impacting. Um, We we try to zoom in on the behavioral interventions and support and collaboration um, because I I find that to be empowering for kids to know that they're able to, despite their, the, the challenges that they're having with attention, focus, or hyperactivity, that they're able to kind of manage it. Yeah. and But parents still, and understandably so, are very concerned about the side effects of medication, right? There's still yes. a misconception out there that they can get addicted to the medication or that continued use can cause illicit drug use, and as they get older, they can become zombies. That that sentiment or that, that thinking is still out there. Is there anything yeah. that you can say or advice that you can give to parents who are hesitant about starting medication for their child with ADHD? Yes, I mean, I mean, definitely. You know, I think as parents, we're always tasked with making sure that we're making decisions that are in the best interest of our kids. And um, absolutely, you know, especially when you have a parent walking into the session, you know, this is a kiddo that has never been on medication for anything at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you're hearing a lot of information out there. I always um, say to parents, if we do get to that conversation of medication, because like I said, not every child with ADHD um you know, medication is indicated. If there are mild ADHD symptoms, I'm going to say, you know what, let's bang out the behavioral interventions and support Mm -hmm. and let's see how much momentum we can get. If it's a really young kiddo, I'm going to say, let's bang out the behavioral intervention and support and let's see how much mileage we can get. But if we get to that point where we're talking about medication, I think the first step is, is really education because, you know, there's a lot of things that are out there and, and people, you know, think back to probably historically what they always heard about the medications that are out there. Um, and I always start with education and I say, listen, there are medications that are used. There are medications um, that have good, solid research and longevity of research behind it. And the goal of medication intervention is not to take anything away from your child, but to add to what they're able um, to do and who they are. And if we find that a medication is interfering with a child's sleep um, or, 
we feel as if, and, and I know some parents talk about they feel some flattening is happening. Mm-hmm. Then I say, okay, you know what? Maybe we need to, to troubleshoot. Um, and if we can't solve it, then maybe we need to consider um, other options. Excellent answer. Um, there is talk out there that ADHD is being over overdiagnosed. And mm-hmm. so how do you address concerns about potential overdiagnosis? And I'm sure there's safeguards that are in place to ensure that that diagnosis is accurate. I always say to my parents, you know, you are the experts on your child, right? Um, when clinicians like us get involved, it, the hope is, is that we're coming to add to what they know. And so there's always the power of um, getting alternative opinions, yes. But when it comes to ADHD, I think it goes back to when we first spoke about how do you diagnose it? And so there are steps that should happen before a diagnosis is made. You know, if you're walking into somebody's office and they don't know you, they don't know your child, and they're walking in and they're saying, your child has ADHD, here's a prescription, I would be a bit wary of that because we know, as I outlined, there is some steps to that process of making a diagnosis that should happen before a diagnosis is made and certainly should happen before um, that conversation about medication, you know, is there. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, Do you have any parting words for our listeners? I think that, you know, any diagnosis, you know, from a mental health perspective can be daunting for any parent. And so I think that what I would say is to remember that just sometimes it's important to stop and have a conversation with people that can guide you appropriately. And um, use your pediatrician, you know, um, use your school a support if there is a counselor or a teacher that you feel um, comfortable and especially connected with. And know that with the right supports, you know, that's the beauty of children and adolescents is there, how resilient they are. And so if we can give them what they need to succeed, um, oftentimes they show us that they're able to do it. So I would say to parents, you know, seek support, seek information, find those persons, those pillars around you, whether it be the pediatrician, whether it be a teacher that you have a good connection with or a counselor at school um, and get what you need to figure out what needs to happen. Dr. Richards, that was fantastic. A big thanks to you for sharing so much clarity and insight on ADHD. Your expertise has truly enlightened us. How can the listeners find you? So I am I am in the public sector. I am the um, director at the, for the Child and Adolescent Psychiatry Service that is under um, Sandals Rehabilitation Center and privately I have office at the Family Medicine Center on Blake Road. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Richards. I think we're going to have a part too soon. Yes, my pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Remember that you can find us on our website at kidiatrics.org, Facebook page Dr. Ayana Remy, and Instagram at kidiatricsbahamas. Thanks so much for listening to our heartfelt discussion on childcare.